Marini's Media. Totally Football Show Summer Special. Today, Champions League quarterfinals get underway with a banger from Atalanta and PSG. The Bergamaschi made them sweat, but in the end, the Parisians were too cool, like their manager Thomas. We'll hear why Neymar could work on his Amar and why Jules is having all the fillions, now Killian's back beside the Brazilian. Plus, we'll be looking forward to Thursday's game to see who will face PSG next, Atletico Madrid or the team no one talks about, RB Leipzig. Full preview of that on the way in this Totally Football Show Summer Special in association with Paddy Power. Listener, hello. It is the 13th of August, Thursday morning, and I'm joined here on the Totally Football Show Summer Special by Daniel Storey, who's just fresh from writing a big piece on PSG Atalanta for the Eye. Hello, Daniel. Hi, James. And with us, fresh back off the ceiling, Julian Laurent. <laughs> Hi, James. Hi, everyone. Yeah. Kanchal RT says, much respect for Atalanta. You made Italy proud, but I'm happy for Neymar. By the way... Did Julian cry? Almost. I had tears down my eyes. So did my boys. I thought the house was going to explode. Actually, my wife said, they're going to score, they're going to score. And, you know, we didn't really... She was the only one believing, to be fair. And then it happened. And of all the people, of all the money this club has spent on players in the last nine years, the one to save them, the hero, is a guy who could not even do it on a Tuesday night at Stoke. Well, Stoke the real winners. So much to discuss from that extraordinary match in Lisbon. Uh, We'll be hearing from James Horncastle, of course, uh, a little bit later on. But let's get into PSG's incredible comeback win over Atalanta. Il va essayer d'y aller tout seul. Choupo-Moting a failli récupérer le ballon de la part de Draxler. Avec Herrera, c'est pas fini. On écarte avec Neymar. Neymar pour Mbappé. Mbappé tout seul. Mbappé qui sente. Choupo-Moting. 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 What a finale. Paris Saint-Germain reaching the semi-finals of the UEFA Champions League for the first time since 1995. An extraordinary game, an extraordinary finale. Daniel, you wrote that this was the maddest finish of your career so far. Well, in terms of having to write to a print deadline that then gets... Uh, I had a piece written for a 1-1 draw because I thought that might well happen. But as it gets to 82, 83 minutes, you think, well, the worst is going to happen is that I'm going to have to tweak a 1-1 draw piece. Mm. Doing a Boris Didn't, Johnson, it's known as, no? Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, although, yeah, the similarities in there. To be fair, I think anyone who had a, an on-the-whistle uh, deadline to meet probably would have had something similar in that works because there were so many chances throughout that game, from those incredible misses from Neymar back in the first half to all the other, as Atalanta retreated in in, in the second. Uh, Jules, what were you going through at the time? I was thinking, this is typical my club, this is typical PSG, where you are able to dominate one of the best teams in Europe this season, uh, when you are able to prevent them from creating clear chances. Really, there was... Obviously, the Ateboe um, header in the first half before the before the Pasalic goal, and that's it. They had way more chances than uh, PSG. Okay, had. which one? So there was the header, as you say, before that. They had loads yeah. of chances. Tell me, James. Tell me. They were which so ones? much more threatening, and then you had the odd break yeah. from PSG. 
Okay, I give you the Papu Gomez really early on after three minutes, but right. they, yeah, this is, but in the second half they had nothing, and for PSG to still be able to almost lost a game that they fairly dominated, I thought, mm. and when they created certainly the best chances, even if they were not all on target, and actually Sportello didn't have much to do until really late in the game, but I thought that was typ- typical PSG when they're going to be knocked out again, and they would have a lot of regrets and we, we, we would slaughter Thomas Tuchel for not starting Kylian Mbappe because when I see Mbappe coming on and playing, I think he could have easily played 90 minutes. Uh, and then you're going to, again, talk about the curse and the jinx, Marco Verratti being injured and Angel Di Maria being suspended and, and all of that. And in the end, in the space of, what, three minutes, right at the end, it all changes, but I thought for a long time this was just PSG's again. That was this. This is the DNA of that club, and it was not going to change tonight. I thought extraordinary performance from Neymar in the game, and Mbappe looked incredible when he came on and, and turned the game around. But uh, what do you put down to the uh, Neymar misses in the first half, which was so? Were they out of character for him? Does he often do stuff like that? No, he usually never misses those kind of chances, especially the first one on his right foot where he usually buries them. The, the other two on his left foot um, are maybe a little bit more difficult, especially the first one. The second one, just before half time, he should have scored. I don't know, may, maybe he knew it was such a big night. He knew it. He knew the pressure was on him, especially with Mbappe on the bench. He knew everybody was going to watch all the haters especially, but all, also all the people supporting him and supporting the club. No, really. And I think there was probably as many people who wanted him to succeed than to fail tonight. And, and I think maybe, maybe when, he, when he got to that last shot or the last pass, it was just a bit, I don't know, either too hasty or not composed enough. The composure was missing maybe. Um, but what I liked is that he kept going and in the end, he's, he's decisive on the two goals. You know, the, he really crosses the ball for Marquinhos on the first one. And then he sees ball through for Mbappe, the second assist to really make the difference on the triple mutton goal. So uh, you have to give him, whether you like him or not, you have to give him how he persevered tonight, how he kept going. He got kicked all around the pitch all night from the first minute to the last. And yet in the end, it was him who, who carried that team and, and sent it through. Possibly there was a little bit of rustiness because, of course, PSG hadn't been playing regular competitive football over the last five months as well. So, Daniel, after you'd filed your piece, what, what can readers uh, of the eye find in it? There's obviously two themes. Firstly, is, is PSG, as Jules says, have become known for these Champions League collapses and it, it looked like they weren't even going to get in a position to, to do that this season. But I thought they were... They created the better chances, but I thought Atlanta kind of harried and pressed them after scoring the first goal, which is probably just about against the run of play, I think. Uh, but then they started dispossessing them high at the pitch, and I just thought that midfield... I mean, I know it's not the first choice midfield for Verratti injured, but with Adrisa Gay and Herrera and Marquinhos playing there, I thought that they were they looked a little bit maybe too functional in midfield. It meant that Neymar was really having to drop deep to pick up the ball, which he's happy to do, but it meant he basically had to beat four or five players just to create a chance or have a shot. And, and he did that a couple of times because that's what you can do. But I just think they were it wasn't really the percentage game. Second half, they wore down Atlanta. And I think it was seven, six or seven Atlanta players were booked in the end, most of them for fouls on Neymar. And yeah, they just wore them down. I don't think Atlanta deserved that kind of finish because I don't think any club really does. Um but they probably justified it in the end with, with the perseverance. Mm. They didn't deserve it, but then equally, as I think Jules pointed out, PSG didn't deserve to lose. Jules, when you put this result 
kind of back-to-back with the second leg against Borussia Dortmund. Is that the monkeys off PSG's back now in regard to the Champions League, or, or should we wait for a semi-final or two and, and a final before we before we say that everything's sorted? Yeah, I mean, they're still capable of, of bottling it and messing it up uh, in a semi-final, whoever they will face. But it's, it's on the back of the question that you asked me when, when we did the show, the, the uh, Club 2020 Daily Show this morning on BT Sport, is that it, it really felt like that win against Dortmund in the second leg of, of the last 16, back at the end of, or at the beginning of March, at the, in an empty Parc des Princes. Psychologically, that has changed, I think, a lot of things. And I... And of course, if they hadn't won that game, they would not have been there tonight. But but had they not have a performance like that in that game when they struggled in the first leg and they they came out and, and really, really played well mentally in that second leg against Dortmund, I don't think tonight would have happened. I think that tonight they would have crumbled again. They would not have persevered so much. But I think really that game against Dortmund changed something mentally uh, for those players, for Thomas Tuchel as well. And since then, what's been really interesting, they've been the lockdown, but before, just before the lockdown and, and, and after, and Thomas Tuchel was talking about it yesterday in his press conference saying, that team has really become a team. And I think before it was still a, a sum of individuals. Neymar wanted to leave so badly last summer. I think there was a, there was a bit of tension between Tuchel and some of the players, even a few clans in the dressing room. But after that win against Dortmund, it all changed. And they were very, very close during the lockdown, although they could not see each other. And, and then once the lockdown were lifted, you could feel that, that a team had, was born and had grown really out of the, those, those few months and the game against Dortmund. And I think what made the difference tonight is that PSG still as a team. OK, Neymar did a lot of things by himself. And then when Mbappe came on, it helped him a lot. But this was very much a collective performance. Not everybody played well, of course. Not, they didn't even play that well as a team. But in terms of team spirit, and you saw at the end what it meant to them. You saw Marco Verratti limping in the stands, but still trying to run because he's injured on his calf. Still trying to run and go and celebrate with everybody else. And I, and I really think that Dortmund game made a huge difference. And yeah, they might still have a few remontadas down the years, but I think psychologically reaching the semi-final for the first time in 25 years would be huge mentally for that club. Not just the players, but for the whole club. Who was the standout player for you tonight, Jules? Of Neymar, I think. Right. Despite the chances that he missed, we said he was just unstoppable. And, and I, I, I don't know about Dan, and we were, we were watching on television, but I've rarely seen a player in those kind of games being able to dominate a game on his own so much, apart from Messi and Ronaldo most of the time. All right. By contrast, who was the least impressive player, Dan? Uh, I think Mario Cardi really disappointed me. I know, I know his whole thing is to be this poacher and to, that he will inevitably go quite quiet when Neymar is, is happy and Mbappe is just as happy when they're both all playing together to, to dominate possession. But there were just a couple of times where I thought, even as a poacher, his runs just weren't there. There was one in the first half where Neymar, it looked a bad cross where Neymar played it across goal, but the replay showed that Icardi just didn't really make that run which seems really strange given that I kind of, you know, I don't see as much of him as Jules does, but that that to me is his his thing. That's what he does so well and that's why he's in that team. I, I just didn't think he he performed anywhere near as much as I as well as I thought he was always as prominent as I thought he would be and and you know, it, he, Jules mentions Eric Chupamoting, but one thing he did when he came on is that he looked to get busy. You know, in the last 10 minutes of the match, he looked to make things happen. Not always successfully, although largely successfully in terms of the goal and assist. But 
that that's what I expect from a, a forward who's maybe struggling to get into a game. I want to see more from them. And so, yeah, that really disappointed me. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe just an off night, maybe rustiness, maybe it'll be better. But yeah, I was a bit disappointed. Everyone remembers that time you've had that peach of an accumulator looking good only for... Oh, and the keepers let it slip through his legs in the 94th minute. Or the right back has to pull on the gloves and face a penalty. Or Man United have again conceded a late equaliser. But with Paddy Power's Acker Cracker, you get a free bet if one leg of your fourfold plus Acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Minimum odds of 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeCumbleAware.org. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. If you're not yet a subscriber, take out a 30-day trial right now by heading to theathletic.com slash totally. Well, Leipzig and Atletico Madrid will be facing each other for the place in that same semi-final with PSG. That's Thursday night. We'll talk about that very shortly, but before we leave Wednesday's game, let's salute the boys from Bergamo. James Horncastle joins us now. Hey, James. Hi, guys. Wow. Extraordinary finale. Heartbreaking from Atalanta's point of view. But in the biggest game of their history, uh, they didn't disappoint. No, they didn't. They they stood up to PSG. Uh, I think on the balance of play, and I'm sure uh, Jules has said this, and I'm happy for Jules, uh, that uh, had Atalanta gone through, I think they would have looked back on it and said they were lucky on the basis of uh, what those five chances that uh, Neymar had in the first half, some of which were so clear-cut, um, it was remarkable that he didn't take them. Um, but to get so close, uh, I think there's uh, a little bit of regret tinged with, uh, well, pride tinged with some regret um, being so close because um, I think what it's the only, only the fourth time since uh, United in the final in 1999 that team has come back from from 1-0 um, in the 89th minute to win. And, yeah, that's PSG doing that against Atalanta. It's not, um, yeah, we should never forget where Atalanta have come from. And, and you look at the state that they got themselves into in the game as well. I mean, Marcos Portiello, the goalkeeper, I thought played very well in the second half. You know, he was relegated this time of year with Frosinone. Um, you've got Papu who goes off after an hour injured. They're already without Josip Ilicic. Um, and they're 1-0 up what in the 88th minute when Remo Freuler has to go off because they've used all their substitutes they were down to 10 men um, and the weird thing is is that at the end of the day it wasn't Neymar who beat them and while Mbappe definitely changed the game uh, when he came on weirdly it was Chupa Moting who beat them mm. <laughs> utterly yep. bizarre right they'll be back though James they will be back. Um, yeah, they finished third in the league. Um, all the talk in the post-match uh, in, in Italy has been about uh, gasp. Come on, uh, we want to see you fighting for the league title next year um, because that's that's the legacy I suppose this team has left. You know, there's, a, there's a kind of real belief that they are good enough to contend against uh, the likes of Juventus, the likes of Inter, even though they don't have anywhere near the budget and... There was a nice moment um, at the end as well where you had Luca Pecassi, um, the, the chief executive who used to be on Chelsea's books as a player. He, uh, he collects a lot of football shirts like Jules does, like I do. And uh, he, 
took one out from under his uh, his his suit jacket, and he was like, "This is a guy that we tried to sign a, a while ago, but we weren't successful." Uh, and it was Neymar's, <laughs> it was Neymar's shirt, um, which yeah, again, as we we said last night, when this guy um, earns uh, in a year what Atlanta pay their entire team is just uh, again just reinforces how far this team has come and how amazing it is. Mm. Well, time to go home now for Atalanta. James, thank you very much for being with us. We'll catch up with you soon on the Toby Football Show. After this, I'll be Leipzig Atletico Madrid. OK, Thursday night, Champions League goes again. This time it's RB Leipzig against Atletico Madrid. The fixture that would have been Spurs against Liverpool, of course. You know, had those two teams not been knocked out in the last 16. Uh, among the host of clubs wondering if this could be their year, like PSG, are Atletico Madrid. Uh, this will be their fifth quarterfinal in seven seasons. Only Bayern Munich and Barcelona have done better. Uh, twice... They've been the beaten finalists, of course, under Simeone. Having put out the holders in this competition, could this be their year? Well, in their way are Rasenball Leipzig, who no one is making a fuss about. But here's Raphael Honigstein now to talk up the chances of the team who spanked Spurs. Rafa, the Leipzig who finished third in the Bundesliga and who knocked out Spurs in spectacular fashion of course had Timo Werner up front what kind of team are they without him well it's exactly the question that everyone's asking themselves including I think Julian Nagelsmann the one consolation he has is that in his mind Atletico would have probably not been the ideal opponent for for Werner who thrives on open spaces on transition but needs a bit more green space ahead of him than Atletico are prepared to give usually so I think we'll see Patrick Schick in action instead and maybe an additional midfielder just to tie up that space in front of the defence and be very cautious and careful not to fall in Atletico's trap and concede any counter-attacking goals. I was quite surprised to discover Leipzig were even involved in the last state in the Champions League. So little has been said about them. But... It's knockout football and they're only a couple of matches away from glory and they are in the easier side of the draw, supposedly. So how much should we be taking them seriously? I think Leipzig themselves secretly think that they can go quite far, but they don't want to be too confident and don't want to talk up their chances too much because I think they quite enjoy this underdog status. But they also don't have the romantic backstory of Atalanta. It's very much an unromantic story of a soft drink empire building a club out of nowhere in 2009. But I think in terms of what they can do on the pitch, I don't see them necessarily as hugely inferior to, to Atletico. I think PSG would have been a better fit for them. I think Atalanta would have been a better fit. But they believe that over one leg, that's certainly what Julian Nagelsmann told me when I had a chance to speak to him last week, they have a really good chance um, because... A lot of the things that make Atletico so uniquely effective in the way that they interact with the crowd at home, Diego Simeone's antics on the sideline, uh, the kind of pressure they can put on you to make mistakes. I think all of these things will be slightly less effective in front of an empty, of empty stands in Lisbon. How rusty do you think RB Leipzig will be? Or how match fresh do you think they'll be, uh, given that the Bundesliga actually wrapped up, what, five weeks ago? I think it's impossible to quantify. 
I think we'll only know afterwards if they get knocked out, not playing well, then I think they might, you know, blame the lack of rhythm, the lack of sharpness. But I got the sense from Nagelsmann that he really needed that bit of time off. Players came back very refreshed. Um, they still have one or two issues um, in terms of players not being 100% fit, but at the same time, they treated it as, as the off-season and now it's the beginning of the new season and they feel that they're coming sort of into that very competitive mode. And um, I think they were, like everyone else, pretty tired towards the end of the restart period. So in hindsight, or as it is today, I think they wouldn't have cherished playing on. And I think they quite welcome the ability to get a bit of time off since domestic football stopped in Germany. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Raphael Honigstein there. The question then, can they get this one in the can like the energy drink that they're not named after? Jules, you, you were talking earlier today about a rasm ball. What, what do you make of um, Rafa's spin on the Timo Werner absence there? No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I agree at all with that because he's their best player. Regardless if they play against a team that would give them a lot of space and for him to run in behind or if they play a team that doesn't, he's still their best player. It's, you know, it's... It, it's not the same team at all whether you have got Timo Werner or not if you play against them and you play against Timo Werner it's not the same than if you play against an RB Leipzig team without Timo Werner I think it's quite you know it's quite obvious uh, so I understand that yeah they, they won't have much space and Patrick Schick is much better in, in small spaces and 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 that he can bring something different to Timo Werner. But I'm sorry, Leipzig without Werner is certainly not as dangerous as with Timo Werner, even against Atletico Madrid. OK, Atletico Madrid, who reckon they've been transformed by their uh, successful tie against Liverpool. They certainly had a great end to their league season, moving from outside the Champions League places back up to third. They've been super tight, very much on brand. Uh, Jan Oblak uh, keeping 17 clean sheets, only seven goals scored against them in eight Champions League contests, and they've got loads of firepower up front as well. Daniel, should we be should we be looking at them as potentially title winners this time? I actually think that RB Leipzig might might beat them. I think what Raf says about them preferring to be underdogs is is certainly right. I was at the first leg against Tottenham in the round sixteen and they were they were brilliant for a team that had that was their first ever knockout Champions League match. Uh, and they were absolutely superb. Um, and I know, I know, Atalanta have kind of seized the narrative of small club doing well in the Champions League, and there are obviously reasons for that, given that that Leipzig are owned by a massive energy drink giant that's that's leaving scorch marks on the sporting landscape. But I think it's a really good story, and and I think that they will go at Atletico kind of throw caution to the wind because they didn't really expect to get here to have a shot at Champions League semi-final and, and the fact that it's one leg I think Atletico will be better at managing that that two legs they're very experienced at those but I think Leipzig will just treat it like a you know as as a cup final and just as I say throw a caution to the wind and go for it and I think that could be pretty dangerous mm. Jules what do you think? I think Atletico will be so pumped for this I think they they know that again after the disappointment they had in those two finals 
they know that this could be their year. And I think rightly so. You said that they maybe have the best keeper in the world or at least one of the top three, you know, black. They've got such a strong defence. They've got that belief. They've got a, an incredible manager. And also he's found a way of making this team better going forward with with the finding, really, of Marcos Llorente playing as a second striker, which I don't think anyone would have thought about at the start of the season. Maybe not even Simeone himself and due to injuries, due to players not maybe being at their level. Trying Marcos Llorente in that position works so well for them. He brings them some, something so much different than even they had when they were uh, at the top of, you know, of, of, of Europe, really. So I think they'll be very, very difficult to, um, to beat tomorrow for Leipzig. Well, Thursday night, 8 o'clock UK time. We'll find out who's right. Uh, to get some odds on the game, here's Lee Price from Paddy Power. Thank you and hello, listeners. This is a tough game to talk about and it's probably where I finally expose myself entirely if I haven't done already. It's been so long since I've spoken about Leipzig or Atletico that I'm not sure where to begin. So let's start with the numbers. They're usually a good guide. Uh, the Spanish side here are the favourites. 7-5, again, not odds on. These final eight clashes are very close. The German team, Leipzig, are 2-1 to one to win this game. The draw is priced the same. Of course, Leipzig are sure a Timo Werner and that is reflected in the price in here. If I reach into my historical knowledge of Atletico, I think of a team that are tight at the back and nick victories. So I'm kind of drawn to two particular markets here. Atletico to win to nil, that's priced at 3-1. to one. Or Atletico to win 1-0, that's priced at 13-2. And how about our old friend Diogo Costa? He is a headline grabber, a headline writer, and it's 21-10 he scores any time. Or for his teammate Jao Felix to step up, he's 11-5. He's probably due a few more headlines, that boy. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Right then, wow! Everyone's set for Thursday night. Of course, Thursday eleven o'clock. If you're in, if you're listening to this before that, uh, then you can join me for Club Twenty Twenty Daily, which Jules joined me on on Wednesday. And Daniel, you're going to be in the sweat box on the roof in Stratford this time I'm, around. I'm actually going to be via Skype, so I'm going to be in oh. the sweat box of sweat box of near Loughborough. But okay, I'll be there in spirits, of course. Nice, nice. It is a uniquely moist experience in that in that studio. Um, Jules, how did you find it today? It's cosy at first, and then I sat on that chair, and then the, the, the heat just just gets to you, doesn't it? But being with you was lovely, and I thought it was a great show, and um, and and yeah, I can't wait to come back next week. Why not give it a, a try, listener? If you haven't tuned in yet, remember it's live on YouTube as well. Super. That's 11 o'clock, by the way, uh, Thursday morning and every morning while these competitions are progressing. That's it for this uh, Totally Football Show Summer Special, though. So many thanks for James Horncastle and to Daniel Story and Julian Laron. And big congratulations to you and the whole PSG fam. Thank you very much. Not at all. Not at all. Producer Ben on the wheels of steel and that. Many thanks to him. We'll catch up with you Uh, in 24 hours time Friday morning have a great time until then and bye for now you've been listening to the Totally Purple Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network 
Keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Muddy Knees Media.